Hello listeners, welcome to our latest episode of Antiques and Grannies. This time, Dave and I will be discussing our first two seasons as Hunkford Town supporters, 2013-14 and 2014-15, which culminated in us reaching the playoff semi-finals. Listen out for our controversial feature, Hit or Miss, which you may well disagree with. again Dave so thank you for joining me in the middle of this heat wave to um, pour over our time watching Hungerford under the management of Bobby Wilkinson. You're welcome. Have you been coping okay in this heat? Yes hard work being a postie in this weather but it beats the rain I suppose. And we have got the fan on in the background because without it I think either Dave or I or you dear listener may pass out so um, that's what the slight whirring sound is in the the background. It's not my pacemaker. (laughs) Um, I think I'll just stress from the outset, Dave, that we're purely talking about um, Hungerford Town during our time as fans. When we joined, Bobby Wilkinson had already guided the team out of the Hellenic League into the Southern. Against Merthyr Town in the final. And as we now know, of course, he wasn't done there as far as promotion was concerned. And uh, also, I am going to stress once more that um, all views expressed are mine and yours and no one else's. So, Dave, I'm going to throw you under the bus straight away. Well, is Disc- there a bus coming? <laughs> yeah, number 127 to Turnpike. Uh, what did you make of Bobby Wilkinson as a manager stroke personality? Well, I think without Bobby at the helm, we wouldn't be at the lofty heights we are now. Um, as, a, as a manager, he's guided the team up, as you say, from the South, was it South Division 1 or wherever it was at the time? Something that nature, not exactly the sure. To be Southern honest. Prem, mm. guided us to, on the outskirts of the playoffs in our first season in National League South. Um, so you can't fault him there, and as a, as a person, I've always got on really well with him. Yes, I I agree with you on both those points. I would say that he and Nigel Warwick are probably the two people that did most to guide us into the um, uh, National League South. And also I would have to agree with you that he was always very good with us as fans, uh, our little group, you, me, Windmill, etc. Always had time for us, spot on. He did indeed. Um, I don't know if you recall, uh, do you remember who it was who first introduced us to Mr Wilkinson? It's sometime actually we, after we'd been going to be honest. Wouldn't be uh, Mrs P would it? It was indeed, <laughs> at a wantage pre-season game. <laughs> uh, you can always rely on Mrs P to introduce you to someone. Yeah, she, she was uh, determined to introduce us to, to Bobby Wilkinson that night for some reason and, and so she did. Um, also, when it, talking about Bobby Wilson as a manager, I've jotted down here that he's a manager who would not let a player's individual standards drop. And I've got a few examples here, and let's see if you remember these as well, Dave. Um, do you remember Diat John's last game for Hungford under Bobby Wilkinson? Um, did he get sent off in that one? Well, he, <laughs> he did in a fair few of his games, but he, he didn't get sent off in that one. But um, I think uh, Bobby Wilkinson. Ah, was that where he didn't chase back? That's it. That's the one. It was a cut tie against Leiston, Leiston, however it's pronounced. Yeah, um, that was an awful game. Disaster, wasn't it? One nil up, got beat four one. 
and I think it was possibly the second goal and I remembered Diak um, felt he'd been fouled I don't think he had been to be honest and rather than chase back sat on the ground threw his arms up in the air and Lyston went through and scored and to be honest that was the last we saw of Diak for a couple of seasons yeah yeah shame because on, on his day Diak's you know, really good and yeah and that that shows you um as I say, that Bobby would not let anyone let their standards drop. I mean, I can remember even the pre-season friendly against Oxford City, Dean Stowe making a mistake after about 10 minutes, Oxford went through and scored, and Dean Stowe got taken off there and there, and I thought, crikey, this is a pre-season friendly, that's a bit harsh, but that was Bobby's style, like it or, or not. Well, he, he, he wants to win, doesn't he? He does. And no one likes losing. And the biggest example that I can think of of this, and um, if anyone's listening who knows more of the ins and outs than me and wants to correct me, that, that's fine. But as a fan, I think there was a definite souring of relations between Bobby and Garen Preen. I can remember when Garen um, scored four goals in the pre-season friendly at Didcot. Each goal an absolute blinder. Yeah. Uh, destroyed Didcot single-handed. And I remember Bobby sort of um, hugging him in the centre circle after the game, like a like a long-lost son. And then somewhere along the line, things changed. And I think it was when Gary went off to his sister's wedding in Spain. As I say, I stand to be corrected, but that's how it appeared to me. And uh, he came back, played a few more games for us. Now, do you remember Gary Preen's last appearance for Hungerford? Uh, was that an away game? It was. Was it at Ebb's Fleet? It was. Um, yeah, probably not his finest game, but as you say, if you're coming in and out of the side, it's hard to get any regular momentum up. Well, what I, what I, Dave, what I really remember about that game is um, Garen Breen almost got himself sent off in that first half with a very un-Preen-like performance. He wasn't the most physical of players. No, he was quite a quiet lad as well. Yeah, that day he really seemed to be putting himself about a bit too much, if anything. And um, he was given about a minute in the second half. He went on one fabulous run, and then at the end of the run, the ball kind of ran over his foot and out of play for a throw-in. And you could almost see the hook the Bo Peep style hook come out from the away dugout across the whole width of the pitch like and a Preen, pantomime that's it mm-hmm. a pantomime hook and Preen was gone and I think it was the next week in the New Bulletin News it was announced that Garen Preen had decided to move on from the club and um, yeah I, as I say might be right might be wrong but I think that was an example of um, with Bobby it's, it's his way or the highway and you know, who's to say whether that's right or wrong yeah uh, okay Dave so our first uh, season of support of 100 was 2013-14, but when I look back at my stats, we only really became regulars around about mid-February, and that's when Hungerford were about to embark on an incredible run that saw them get close to the, the playoffs, just missing out on goal difference. And now, um, earlier on in that season, we attended our first home game under lights against Truro City. Do you remember much about that game? Yes, we were <laughs> went in at half time nil nil and no one could really predict what was going to happen in the second half. But we went and stuck six past them. We did. Um, I can remember Stephen Brown leaping around in delight that, that evening shouting out, We're on fire <laughs> 
Now you're a, you're more of a stat man than me, so I couldn't even tell you who scored in their games. I, just uh, well, I could if you gave me a minute or two, but I shan't I shan't bother to do that now. I think Stefan got two, by the way. Um, talking of big wins, do you remember that season, a trip to Banbury? Yeah, we uh, went one better and scored seven. And Banbury, I thought, I mean, their fans really turned on their team that day. And I thought, crikey, yeah, they've got some quite you know, vociferous supporters. Because in those days, we didn't have the backing like we do now. But... We were well rewarded with seven goals. Yeah, I think Banbury do actually have quite a big following from memory. I think they have one who, uh, particular supporter who's got tattoos all over his face, from what I remember, but um, each to his own. Um, yes, but that game to me was notable because all four um, of our strikers scored that day. Because I remember you and I chatting about uh, the need to have at least four strikers and we felt there were sort of two banks of two if you like the front the first two and yeah, the reserve you had, two you had your main two which was drakes and stefan mm-hmm. and um h and luke hopper that's right yeah i mean it's, it's probably hard at this level to have four strikers mm, and keep two of them don't it. yeah yeah but you obviously you go with your strongest side and yeah. stick your main two in and more um, often than not so those were the strikers and like you say I, I agree with you that um, the main two were Mark Draycott and Stefan Brown uh, Drake's would you say more the kind of um, typical centre forward who's always in the right place at the right time yeah he, well his goals for Hungerford speak for himself one of the all time scorers mm, I think yeah. for Hungerford um, Stefan can't be too far behind but mm. If one wasn't scoring, the other one was. And I felt Stefan was more likely to produce a little bit of magic. Like he did at Whitehawk away, he was overhead. Yeah, but Drake's was always kind of in the right place at the right time. And that's a skill that you know, not many strikers tend to have. Um, Harry was, I suppose, you, what would you call him, a blunt instrument? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Uh, he might like to be called a powerhouse. Uh, yeah, let's call him powerhouse. You're a powerhouse, the H-bomb. Harry. The H-bomb, which H- is H-bomb, name. yeah. And then, um, yeah, and Luke Hopper, uh, the fourth strike, who, who came back to us for a later spell, of course. He did. Um, so also, um, we had some strong characters, I thought, along the, the back line uh, in that first season, um, particularly our centre-half pair. Well, Matty Day and uh, John Boardman. Yeah. Probably find it hard to find a better centre half pairing in our time. I mean, obviously you've had um, uh, Marvel and um, Rosby, you've performed really well there. But as a pairing, mm. I think it's got to be day and boards. Yeah, and certainly at that level, um, they were two of the first names I wanted to see on the team sheet. Well, yeah, and along with Alan O'Brien for me. Oh, yeah. Well, there you are. There's another name to, we really should be mentioning, Alan O'Brien. The fastest player I've seen at Hunkwood Town. Yeah. Too fast for the rest of the team sometimes. Well, too fast for himself sometimes. I didn't think he was going to stop. Like we should have had those crash barriers they have for indoor athletics for Alan O'Brien. I'm sure um, they won't mind mentioning now. I mean, the amount of times he sprinted down the wing, got a cross in. Then Bobby wanted him to chase back, and under his breath he'd say, "Piss off, Bobby." <laughs> yeah, yes, I think that is uh, very true. 
Um, one player who we, you and I didn't really see much of, who I would have liked to have seen more of, is uh, midfielder Luke Brewer, who I know Leachy uh, raves about. I saw him, well, we saw him score against Bedford, and that was yeah. in his last game, I'm not sure. Saw, saw him a few times, and he, he looked like a proper work workman in midfield. You know, he'd work for the team, he'd run for the whole game, 100% committed and sort of Scotty Reese in a similar sort of mm. ilk to that you know it's a shame we didn't see Hungerford yeah. a bit earlier yeah. to catch Luke at his um, best um, going back to the season itself again the weather um, meant that we had a lot of games cramming towards the end of the season so when we started to become regulars we, we certainly had a lot of games to see for instance we saw Hungerford beat Totten twice in I think it was four days, home and away. Uh, a certain striker, Dan Burnell, played in the away game. Uh, he was someone who featured against Hungerford for Burnham at the start of the season, who we both rated. He seemed to do quite well, didn't he? Yeah. And I just wonder if he didn't fit in at Hungerford because um, maybe he didn't, his style didn't quite gel with that of Mark Draycott. Well, you, you could say that for a few strikers who've come in and you think, crikey, that's a great signing for us and it's just not worked out for yeah. one reason or another. Yeah, certainly. Warren yeah, Bentley, yeah, Mitchin yeah. maybe. Yeah, very very much so. Um, we do seem to have a knack of <laughs> knocking the goals out of the goal scoring strikers. Um, another game I remember from that season is one that didn't actually finish um, Chipping them at home was abandoned because of an injury. Yes, um, well, that's gone. I think there was a lawsuit at one point, I think. I think that's ended now, but mm. um, yeah, a challenge from Spud. I think it was it Rob Dean. Yeah. Um, it's a 50 50 ball. Yeah. Um, from what I remember, the ref was playing on. Yeah. It was only the shout of the players and everything else that made him pull the game up. And yes, unfortunately, no one likes to see it. It was a really bad leg break, but no way was it ever intentional. No. But it just kicked off after that in the changing rooms between both sets yeah. of uh, yeah. players. Well, uh, my memory is that um, it, it was one of those rare games where we weren't behind the goal and we weren't actually too far away from the instant. No, we were on the side of the pitch. Probably about, time. I don't know, 20, 25 yards away from where it happened. And I recall it very similar to you, I think. that It was... Um, a fair, it wasn't a late challenge, possibly mistimed, not not late, I would Robust. say. Robust? Uh, yes, and um, the referee didn't even stop to give a, a free kick, and then when um, the player was obviously writhing in agony and the referee's attention was drawn to it, he went over to him, saw the extent of the injury, and at that point turned around and awarded a red card to Spud, and then of course everything kicked off. So I think the ref made a mistake in responding to the injury rather Shouts. than the incident, yeah. but he then made the only decision he could, which was to abandon the game, and I join in with you in saying, no, no one wishes a broken neck on a player no but I mean the player couldn't be moved mm. he was you know, covered yeah. up obviously with coats and blankets yeah. whatever yeah. no one wants to see no. it no so um, that season as I say missed out on uh, the playoffs just on goal difference which wasn't a bad effort at all a very good run towards the end of the season and I do remember the day that Hemel Hemsford came to us and 
ended our good run. They beat us 4 0, which clinched the championship. For yeah, themselves. I mean, they were a different class that day. I mean, they beat us 4 0, deservedly so. Um, but Bobby, being Bobby, mm. he got the team to give him a guard of honour as they came out. I'm glad you mentioned that, Dave, because um, that's exactly. Show, shows a bit, a bit of class. It, it does show class. to 2014-2015, uh, a season when we got one step closer. Well, going back to 2014. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, 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 depending on which way we want to look at it. Yes, um, we got one step closer. We got to the playoff semi-finals, and I'll ask you to talk a little bit about that in a moment because I wasn't there. Um, but the start of that season, and Bobby reshuffled his uh, side, got brought in a few new faces, and let's decide whether these players were hits or misses. We brought in Charlie Mumpy, or um, is it Mumpy or Mumpy? Charlie Mumpy, I've always yeah. called him. Okay, well, I brought Charlie, <laughs> as I'm going to call yeah. it. We brought Charlie in to replace Stephen Brown, who, uh, on the back of all of his goals, had moved to Maidenhead. So, was Charlie a hit or a miss? Compared to Stefan, you'd have to say probably a miss. Although I do remember a funny story from H. Oh, right, well, would you like to tell us that story? Um, someone said about Charlie MP being a, a good weapon for Hungerford Town, mm. and H saying, I wish I had a weapon like Charlie's. <laughs> <laughs> a dream of one like that, I think those words were. I'll be searching for the editing <laughs> button later on. Um, yeah, I, I think, if I'm totally honest, I would have to class Charlie as a a miss as far as Hunker is concerned. And that, that's possibly been a little bit harsh. I think he scored about six goals for us in his time. But he was a handful for um defenders. <laughs> Come on, stop it, will you? That's quite enough. It's just gonna carry on. Let's go on to the, our, our next hit or miss. Uh, Lee Smith. Probably a miss, but on his day he was a very good player. But yeah. From one reason or another, didn't quite work out. Maybe. Yeah. Well, again, I would, this is similar to Charlie. It's a bit borderline. Um, he scored a few goals for us, but nothing like the number of goals I think we were expecting. And also, um, he did kind of indirectly swear at me one day. I remember as well. So for that reason, if nothing else, sorry, Lee, you were a miss. <laughs> yeah, I think he told you to uh, go away after you said unlucky. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, right, this one might be tricky as well, and it might not even be someone you remember particularly. James Pilling. No, I, I, a scorer of some cracking goals mm. from distance. Hit or miss, I, I'm going to have to get a splinter in my backside here, and I'll say I'm sitting on the fence for this one, because, as I say, he scored some beauties. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's a shame he was only with us for the one season. I but think. I think he was, was he at university or something like yeah. that and had to yeah. go back or something like that? Yeah. 
But um, okay. no, as I say, I would like to have seen more of him. Okay, well, as it's my little game here, I think I need to decide one way or another. And I'm actually going to say he was a hit. Fair so, enough. Yeah. And then one other name, I think we're both going to agree on this one. One James Rusby. <laughs> hmm, now let me think about that one. Uh, Rus has been fantastic for us, definite hit. Yeah. yeah, well, I don't think there's any argument about that, is there? And I, I can recall one of the first times we saw him was uh, Ascot away at a friendly. Uh, do yeah. you remember seeing him that, that evening? Yeah, because he was sat in his car before the game and we have a mutual friend. And he said, oh, my mate's uh, probably playing tonight. Mm-hmm. So I sort of made myself known to Ruz and yeah. sort of been no, made since then. And I'm pleased that Ruz has been a mainstay in our side. Yeah. And I'm also pleased that I actually come up with one clever song for once, which was the It Must Be Ruz song yeah, by well, Madness. Yeah, one of the popular, more popular songs that gets sung on a regular basis because he's scored a few goals towards the end of this season. Yeah, and our sponsored player as well. Yeah, yeah, well, he deserves that, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, and he, he's really grown, I, I think, over the, the seasons as well. I don't mean particularly in height, I mean in stature. Yeah, he's seven foot six now. <laughs> yeah. Who'd have thought that? Yeah. Uh, so again, I've picked out one or two games from that season. Uh, I've picked out the two against Corby, um, not particularly for the games themselves. Well, we beat them at home and drew with them away, but Corby actually went on to be champions. Yeah, they're a good side. And yeah. I actually, when we went to Corby, I thought that's well, not a bad ground as well. No, one, of the, one of the nicer yeah. grounds in that yeah. league at the time. Um, was our, was our goal scorer Draycott? Yeah, Mark yeah. Draycott got an important yeah. goal that day. Yeah, yeah no, it was, it was a decent point on our travels yeah. there. And Tommy Wright, their manager, was very complimentary about Hungford. I remember watching him do an interview where he, completely unprompted really, he said the other team he admired in our division was Hungford. Is that the same Tommy Wright that used to play for Leeds United? Uh, no, it didn't no. Tommy Wright. I, there's, in, there's a few Tommy Wrights dotted around the game. I can think of at least three. What a common name, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's nice that he had that level of respect for Hungford. So when Corby had a little bit of a set to with Truro, I know whose side I was on. And that was uh, over a game at Truro that was postponed with, well, sorry, abandoned with Corby winning with about five minutes to go. Um, Corby had to re- go and replay the game midweek and that's the game they lost. It wouldn't be the first time that something like that's happened with Truro but I'm not going to get into that because yeah. I don't fancy a lawsuit. No, okay we shall move on then. Um, another game I know you will remember is when we travelled down to watch Hunford lose 1-0 at Paul midweek. We were behind Harry and Matt Day in their car and a set of traffic lights. <laughs> and in the van, I think, I think it was Harry's works van or Matt Day's yeah. works van. And it, but it's also the evening that on uh, social media, one Paul Wag burst into type and said that there are no hunger fans there at all. And that rather got our goat, didn't it? Well, it always, uh, that sort of thing always rankles with us, as Chippenham have found out when they said that we'd be lucky if we bring ten, and he took eight times that, and yeah. they turn up at our place with less, but there we go. Yeah. That's what makes them rivals. Yeah. Um, another game I picked out was the New Year's Day game, a 2-1 win away at Slough, notable for two things, I think. First being, it was windmills first away game and Dan Dan as well sorry Dan as well Uh, but also it's the game I really think where Alan O'Brien 
I don't know if someone put a rocket up his backside at half time, but he destroyed Slough in the second half and he was direct. He did much to um, Neil Baker and John Underwood's um, anger, you should say, on the touchlines if you watch the YouTube clips back. They kept saying, don't let him go inside you, don't let him go inside you, and that's not a euphemism either. <laughs> and the poor fullback let Alan go, cut inside, and two good goals. Yeah. I don't know really if it's it was the fullback being poor and letting O'Brien go inside or or quite what. But one thing that used to annoy me a little bit with Alan, as good as I thought he was, was he wasn't direct enough for me. Sometimes he could take on a chance himself, and he he'd much rather try and pass it rather yeah. than shoot. But, but whether that, that's, that's lack of confidence, yeah. or whether he's just trying to be unselfish, but you. Sometimes in football you've got to be a bit of a selfish so-and-so yeah, and shit. Yeah, and like I say, that, that day at Slough, I don't know if he had bromide in his tea at half-time or quite quite what, but yeah, he was world-class, I thought, that second half. Maybe the Viagra, because he got stuck in hard. <laughs> yes, there's so much editing going to go into this chapter, I think. Um, another game I remember, um, a game you missed, Dave, was hitching away when we won 2-0. Uh, Gary Horgan among the goals. Uh, Long Alan O'Brien, and it's the first time I, I was aware of Andy and Sam Waller in the. I was going to say crowd, but basically, basically they were the nearest two people to me, about 50 yards away. Uh, and now they've become very good friends and yeah. um, massive regulars at home and away games. Yeah, and a very wise head. Or well, Andy and Andy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, one other game I know you will uh, remember. Sirencester away, a 1-1 draw. Spud put Sirencester ahead. Can you remember who got the Hunkford equaliser later on? Oh, was that Isaac O.C. Tutu? It was indeed. Isaac. Apologies who, if I've said that wrong. <laughs> we had such, Isaac. Isaac, yeah. We had such high hopes for Isaac, didn't we? Yeah, and he was a player we thought would be a massive for us. But I think there was a slight problem between him and Bobby that he didn't answer his phone or he never had his phone with him. And I, I think he, he'd lost his chances and it, yes, it, it went on it's, it's a shame, isn't it? Because, um, well, I know for a fact that Big Bob spoke to Dean Smith about Isaac. That's Dean Smith, who was manager at Warsaw at the time, now manager at Aston Villa. And, um, well, I don't know if it was just Dean Smith being polite, but he said to Bob that he's going to send someone down to have a look at Isaac, but never got the chance to, to do that. So, sorry, Isaac, but that's a chance it got away from you. Um, and something else that happened towards the end of the season, which was a big plus, was we got Stephen Brown back from Maidenhead, and uh, how vital he proved to be the season after. But it was so nice to see Stephen back at uh, Hunkford, a big favourite. The he fans. is a big, big fan's favourite mm. and um, really nice bloke as well. So, yeah, yeah always gets goals. So, Dave, we, we kind of crept into the, the playoffs and um, it was Truro away, a long trip to Truro. Uh, you've done that, I don't know, two or three times now. I'm yet to do it. And some people call me a super fan. I honestly don't think I can be classed as a super fan until I manage to do a game at Truro. But that particular game, the playoff where we lost, any memories? Um, Apart from feeling pig sick, I should think. Yeah, if, if I'm truthfully honest, hand on heart, we've never 
ever really looked like winning at Truro in three or four times I haven't been there. Um, now we got beat by the better team on the day and they deserved to beat us that day. It wasn't by a big margin. I mean, is it easier to take losing 1-0 as getting thumped 4-0 and being thumped, you know, deservedly so? It's probably a bit gutting 1-0 when you think, well, all we needed was put one chance away. Yeah. But no, it's a long journey, but would you do it again? Of course you would have given me a chance. Yeah. And then Truro went on to win the playoff final, I believe, against St Neots. St Neots beat Paul in the other semi-final. Um, because of the way the playoffs were done, Truro got home advantage in both the semi-final and the final, made it count and, and went up. I also remember St Neots fans singing to us, you must have come on the skateboard yeah. at one game when we went there. But no, um, not a big fan of Truro. No. Like their beer prices, yeah. very, very reasonable. Yes. We, we could probably do an episode about Truro's chairman on its own, couldn't we? But I'm not sure we should really give him any oxygen, so we we, we shan't talk about but it. It's a very good away day, Truro. As last time Gavin, Andy Waller, and myself went down, and Gavin won 140 pounds on the fruit machines. Oh, very good. Not surprisingly, we lost the game, and then we went racing at Cheltenham on the way home on the following day. Well, that sounds like a good a good day or two that I missed there. Well Dave that, that takes us to the end of the 14-15 season and I think we're going to park the bus there and come back to explore the rest of Bobby Wilkinson's time as manager in our next episode so thank well, you very well, much. We'll say quickly before go on then, go off. On. Nothing to do with Charlie Impey is it? No, I think at, when you've ever been to Truro or places like that Bobby's always come over mm. out of the change rooms, he's gone in, rushed in, come back out and Given us money for a beer for saying thanks for the yeah, long yeah, journey, yeah, which is yeah, always. Yeah, well, it, it, yeah, well let, let's round up. Let's, well. Yeah, let's round up off this episode then by saying once again, sort of both Bobby and, and Spud in their time as manager, first class with the supporters. And again, that's one of the things that makes supporting a club at Hungerford's level such a, such a pleasure. Yeah, oh, yeah, I agree totally. Both top men. Okay, well, thank you very much, Dave, and we'll continue this discussion of Bobby's tenure in our next get together. Yep, see you soon. Okay, bye now. Bye now.